morning. Providence of God. Um, you know, if there's nothing more nerve-wracking about knowing you're going to preach, huh? Yeah, it it's on. I'm not sure what's going on back there. So, but um, it's getting told yesterday, last minute, that you're preaching. So, I'll be just as surprised as you guys are if I say anything, so keep me in prayer. With that being said, let's uh, bow for a moment of prayer. Father God, I just thank you for bringing us together today to hear the word that you have appointed for us. I pray, Father, that you will break up all fallow grounds for this time to seek the Lord. That you will open eyes and you will open ears. Father, they do not need to hear from me. They need to hear from you. That's what I ask, Lord. Let me decrease that you may increase, O Lord God Almighty. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah, girl, thank you, baby. Well, originally, I was going to continue working through uh, the local church, which uh, I began dealing with on my last sermon. Uh, if you guys haven't heard that one, a desperate commitment to the local church, I would encourage you to listen to that. It's up on some audio. But this morning, um, right before I went out to pray by the providence of God, he made a change to that. So we'll see what the Lord takes us. But if you will, turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 4. We're actually going to be looking at four chapters today. Of course, not verse by verse, but kind of to get the big picture of what John is setting before us here in the book of Revelation. You know, now I know there's many interpretations, and I'm not asking for you to agree with how I interpret Revelation. I'm asking you to hear the word that God has for you this morning. So at that, Revelation chapter 4. I want to deal today with tragedy. Tragedy comes upon us all. It's, we, we can't, you know, forecast it and say, okay, I'm going to, to be ready at this time because I know this circumstance, this catastrophe, I'm going to lose my job here. This is going to happen at this time. We can't predict these things. It just happens. We wake up and it comes upon us. How do we deal with that? Is there a hope in the midst of that? Where do we find strength in tragedy? And that's what I want to, uh, Lord willing, deal with today. So Revelation chapter four, I'm gonna read the whole chapter, then Lord willing, we'll uh, discuss a few things. So he says, after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. 
And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne sat in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes. And they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a cat. The third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was, and is, and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will, they exist and were created. So if you're at all familiar with the book of Revelation, you know that from chapter 5 pretty much through the end, it's interesting. We have all types of things, of course, all types of um, what does this mean, questions, everything arise. But what we see it's just catastrophes, the wrath of God being poured out, seals, bowls, trumpets, described in many different ways. But before any of that, John wants to set some before us. It's like before we deal with that, before I show you all of these catastrophes, the wrath of God, violence, so on and so forth, before all of that, I want to set your eyes where they need to be set. And that's, Lord willing, what I would like to do this morning. So here we see John. So he has a vision and the door standing open in heaven. He hears a voice telling him to come up. He goes, he's in the spirit. He sees the throne surrounded by a rainbow. Now, if we stay in the confines of Scripture, we know that the rainbow symbolizes grace in Scripture, his covenant of grace. Doesn't the writer of Hebrews say we come to the throne of grace? So here, John, he sees the throne of grace. And before that throne, he sees four living creatures like a lion, an ox, an eagle, and a man. We say, what is that? I think the simplest way to take that is just they represent lion, the beast, okay? The man, the intelligent beings, you and me, all of mankind, the eagle, the birds of the air, 
you know, the ox, all the cattle. So all of creation here is represented. And what is all of creation for? What is the point of everything in creation? It's what we see here in verse 8. Just like the song we sung. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So what is the point of life? Why do you exist? Christian or not, why do you exist? Why are you here today? It's for one reason. And that's to worship the holy, the holy, holy, holy God. The word holy has to do with separation. God isn't like anything. We find a question all through our Bibles. Who is like you, O Lord? There is none like him. Okay, in the very book we're studying in Samuel chapter 2, when Hannah prays after she has uh, received her prayer request of her son, she says that no one is holy like the Lord. There is none beside him. And there is no rock like our God. There is none like God. He is holy. He is separate unto himself. And not only holy, but holy, holy, holy. Three times repeated for emphasis. Our God is holy. He is like none else. His love is holy. His sovereignty is holy. Everything about him is holy. We live before a holy, holy Holy God. And it says, he's the Lord God Almighty. Notice that word almighty. It's not some mighty. He doesn't have some power. He has all power. Each and every one of us. Paul tells us we live, we breathe, we have our being. It's by his power. Satan himself functions off the power of God. Nothing is outside of his power. It all is his. How does he get power and not lose any? Well, like I said, he's holy. And in that holiness, he is infinite. And as an infinite being, he can give away everything and lose nothing. He has all power. And he is the one who was, who is, and who is to come. He's the same God throughout all time, from eternity to eternity. Moses prays in Psalm 91, he says, Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations. He says, before the mountains were brought forth, before you formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Our God is the holy, almighty God, the unchanging God. And yes, everything in this world changes. We have all sorts of tragedies striking. We wake up, we find out, our closest loved one has died. I mean, you think of Job. It's just one day. He's, he's thinking, oh, it's going to be like any other day. But then the servant comes to him. He's like, look, fire fell from heaven. Destroyed everything. Another servant, another servant. The last servant comes. He's like, the wind came and then knocked down the house and all ten of your children are dead. Just in one day. Well, how could Job prepare for that? 
You know, his response was, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How does that happen? Well, Job had a vision of this holy God. And I encourage you this morning. I don't know what you may be going through. I don't know what's around the corner for you. I don't know, but one thing I do know, as Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I don't know what's around the corner for you. But I do know, if you set your eyes on the holy, the sovereign God, the unchanging God, then you can find strength in the midst of that. So, first we get a vision of God, but as we move to chapter 5, the scene changes a little bit to Christ. So chapter 5, verse 1. says, I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much, because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. Stop right there, Ruth. So John is weeping. He's like, who is worthy to open the scroll? He's weeping. Many times when tragedy strikes in this world, the first thing we do, which isn't wrong. The Bible says, weep with those who weep. Weeping isn't wrong. But the first thing we do, we lose our hope. And just like John, we weep, having lost our hope. But what is our hope? Verse 5. But when the elder said to me, do not weep. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. So when tragedy strikes, we want to lose our hope. Where is our hope? It is in the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, who has prevailed, and the lamb who was slain, having seven eyes and seven horns, which are the seven spirits of God. Now that's just symbolic language. Seven is symbolic for perfection when it refers to God. The horns are his power, the eyes are his omniscience. He sees all. So we have the all-seeing Christ, the all-powerful Christ. And he is worthy to take the scroll and open the seals. There is hope. So whatever you are going through this morning, whatever you may go through, set your eyes on the holy God, set your eyes on Christ. There is hope. He is sovereign. He is ruling. He is worthy. And in verse 8 we see, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, the twenty-four elders, fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll 
and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue, people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. Ever wondered what it would be like in heaven? I think we get a small glimpse here. Those of you whose hearts desire to worship God and one of the biggest issues with, your, with yourself is that when you come to worship God, you're distracted. Your mind is going here. Your mind is going there. There is hope in your future. There will come a day where you can worship the one who sits on the throne and the lamb. No distractions. Your sin isn't plaguing you. No weakness of your flesh in your glorified body with the living creatures, with the elders, with the angels, worshiping Jesus Christ in all perfection. Now I just want to point out something. As we saw in verse 8, it says, When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a heart, golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. You know, that is in our future. And we can hope in that. But right now, you may be like, I'm praying. My prayers aren't getting past the ceiling. Yes, I know God's sitting on the throne. I know the Lamb. He is sovereign. But my prayers aren't getting to them. Saints, listen. Your prayers are part of the worship of heaven even now. God hears your prayer. And in another vision of John, we see that it's through, his, through our prayers poured out that he accomplishes his will. Your prayers are being heard. They do get beyond the seal. Believe that. Trust in that. That Jesus Christ hears your prayers. And he will answer those prayers in due time. But... We still live in the world of tragedy. So what does knowing Jesus Christ is worthy to take the scroll and loose its seals? How does that encourage us? That brings us to chapter 6. We see, he says, Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, I heard one of the four living creatures, saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat in it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Now, of course, people say, who is this? Well, if we stay in confines of scripture, even in this book, every time white is mentioned, 
It is speaking of purity. It refers to Christ. It refers to his people. So who is this on the white horse? Well, if we stay in compliance to scripture, we see it's Christ. And we see before all conflict comes, he wants to set our minds on Christ. And notice this living creature, it, it says, he says with a voice like thunder. It says that about none of the other creatures. So he is announcing, this is the lion, the living creature that is a lion. It makes sense. The lion, he roars, and he brings our attention to the lion, the greater lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's saying, look, before I get into all these conflicts, before I get into all these catastrophes, I want you to know that Jesus Christ, he's riding on that white horse. He's going out to conquer and to conquer. He has a crown of gold on his head. As he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Then verse 3. We see when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out. And it was granted, notice that, granted. It was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth. And that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. So here we see violence. This world is full of violence. What, what are we to do? Any one of us could walk out of here and lose our lives. I mean, people walking into schools, shooting all sorts of things, all sorts of violence. But, like I said, take note of that word granted. They aren't just running unrestrained. They are going one step farther than Jesus Christ has granted them to go. Again, back to the book of Job. Satan himself, possibly the most powerful being under God, Satan himself can't go one step farther then he has been granted to go. So with all the violence and everything going on in this world, the lamb is in control. He who sits on the throne is in control. It's been granted to accomplish his will. We don't perfectly understand what that will is, but we don't have to understand what he is doing if we understand who is doing it. So trust in him, saints. And we see verse 5, when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hands. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quarter wheat for a denarius, three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. Well, how are we to understand this? Well, as we see what was said about the quarter wheat for a denarius, three quarts of barley for a denarius, a denarius was a day's wages. Now, a quarter of wheat would feed probably a small family. So he's saying a day's wages, you take a whole day's wages. If you translate it today, let's say you make $300 a day. 
you can provide one day's meal or one day's meals for your family from a day's wages. That's, that's ridiculous. And then he says, or three quarts of barley, what's that mean? Well, it was the unhealthy, not as good quality. You can buy more, but it wouldn't really do you any good. So it's the same way today. We're in our economy with inflation and everything else going on. We're like, man, what, what's going on? God, what, what are you doing? Why are you allowing this? You know how much I make? Am I to spend everything I make just to get a few meals? But we see that it's the lamb who has opened this seal. And he is sovereign over it. And then you notice at the end he says, Do not harm the oil and the wine. Listen, it doesn't matter what goes on. When Jesus Christ says, Do not harm them. That will not be touched. I don't care if the world falls around you. I think of in, in the scriptures, we have a lady called Rahab. You know, spies were sent out to spy out the promised land. And there's Rahab. And she lives on the wall of the city of Jericho. And because she believed in God, she helped out the servants of God. A promise was made to her that everyone in her house would be safe. So after they marched around the city, the whole city fell. The whole wall fell down. Yet she lives on the wall. I mean, isn't, shouldn't she be destroyed? She lives on the wall. How is it the whole wall falls down? Yet, just her little section with her house, it stands. Do not harm the oil and the wine. Trust in him. We see in verse 7, when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was death, and Hades followed him, and power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beast of the earth. Here we see death running rampant. It seems it's running unrestrained. But if we back up, in verse 8, it says, I looked and behold a pale horse. The name of him who sat on it was death. Hades followed him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth. Even death cannot take anyone that the Lord has not granted power to take. He's like, you get this much, one-fourth, that's it. Not one more. Death, Hades, they would love to take more. But Jesus Christ is like, no. You don't go one step further than what I have granted you to go. We can trust in him. In the midst of our tragedy, the power is given to whatever it is by Jesus Christ, the one who loves you, the one who laid down his life for you, the one who holds you in his hands. Let's believe in him. Verse 9, when he opened the fifth seal, 
I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer, until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren, who would be killed as they were, was completed. So here we have the souls of those in heaven who have been killed for their witness for their testimony to Jesus Christ, for their bold standing in the word of God. They've been killed, and they're crying out. They're like, Lord, I know the scriptures. Your scriptures say, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Lord, I know you're righteous. I know you're faithful. I know that you will avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. And the answer it might be strange. He says, hey, rest a little while longer. There's more that are to be killed, just as you are. Yes, it's true, this world hates us. Yes, it's true, some of us in this very room, we might get killed for our faith, for standing up for God and the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen, it's only according to his will. He has a number of names. And as we see later in this book, blessed is he who dies in the Lord. The Psalms tell us precious in the sight of God is the death of his saints. So we can trust in Jesus Christ. And it is actually a great privilege to be one of those who lay down our lives for Jesus Christ, even as he laid down his life for us to do the will of God. Now we see in verse 12, it says, And I looked, when he opened the sixth seal, behold, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth, and, uh, sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man, hid himself in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath has come. And who is able to stand? Listen, there is one tragedy that is greater than all tragedies, and that will come when the Lord Jesus Christ returns to this earth. We see here, it's like everyone is mentioned. The great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every free man. We say, what about us? Are, are we going to be crying out to the mountains and rocks? Fall on us. Hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb? Should, should, should we be terrified about that? In one sense, we should have a fear that should 
cause us to walk in obedience. But do we have to be full of anxiety when Jesus Christ comes back? Now we're going to be one of them. Well, that's when we get to chapter 7. After these things, I I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth or sea or any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their forehead. And I heard the number of those who were sealed. 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Gad, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Asher, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Levi, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 were sealed. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one can number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, and the elders, and the four living creatures, and fell on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing, and glory, and wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then when the elders um, answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore, nor shall the sun strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So, we've had all these tragedies. We've had Jesus Christ return. It seems like all the world is crying out to the rocks and mountains. Come, we'd rather you crush us than have to face the wrath of God, the wrath of the Lamb, the wrath of of Jesus Christ. And we say, where are we in all that? Well, we are those who have been sealed on our foreheads. We are in the hands of God. In the book of Ephesians, he says, we also have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that those who first put their trust in Christ might be for the praise of his glory, and you also. He said, you, who have heard the word of the truth, 
He says you were sealed with the Holy Spirit, which is a guarantee of your promised inheritance till the praise or to the praise of his glory. Each one of us who have forsaken all for Christ, we are sealed. And even if we are here when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, we don't have to fear. We already talked about Rahab. Yeah, the world, we may be, so to speak, on that wall. The world may fall around us. But we are the seal. And what is our future? We see it here. We see these saints from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation in heaven. And they're worshiping God and the Lamb. Yes, the one who just came and completely destroyed the earth. But they were worshiping him. Symbolically, palm branches in their hands. Like when he came into Jerusalem, when he was in the flesh. They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. If that is you, and you have seen your filthiness, you have seen your sin, and you know you can do nothing about it, and you have fled to Christ. And you have washed your robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. This is your future. And it says here, go down to verse 15. We see, therefore, they're before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. He who sits on the throne will dwell among them. Listen, God will dwell among us. And he says, they shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. In other words, we will be cared for. We will be sheltered. We will be protected. We are in his hands. We've just come out of a world full of tragedies, death, violence, scarcity, famine, you name it. But here we see, we have a future where we will be cared for. We shall not hunger, we shall not thirst. The sun shall not strike us, nor any heat. The lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to fountains of living waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You remember it was told to John, do not weep. Do not weep. Yes, there's weeping in this world, but we don't have to weep as though we have no hope. And though we weep now, the day is coming, says, that God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. So what are we to do in the midst of tragedy? Trust in him who sits on the throne. Trust in the lamb. Trust in his care for us. He has sealed us. He cares for us. Each and every one of us. You know, as we see there, he goes through the list in detail. He could have just simply said, he, he sealed the servants of God on their forehead. 
and then moved on. But no. He goes down. And he breaks it down. 12,000 for this tribe. 12,000, 12,000. He breaks it down. Because it's personal. He has sealed you individually on your forehead. Mine set upon the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. And we have hope. And we will stand before Him. And we will worship Him with all of heaven. We will be protected. No more weeping. No more crying. No more catastrophes. No more death. We will be in the presence of God and of the Lamb forever and ever so saints. Keep your hope on that. Father God, I thank you for helping me, Lord. Father, I pray that this message came with clarity to everyone here. We all face tragedies, completely unexpected, they come. We lose jobs, we lose loved ones, violence, all sorts of things happen in the economy, the beast of the earth. They devour and kill. People die, die of hunger. So many things, oh God. I don't know what everyone is going through in this building. But I do know that you have appointed them to be here. And I do know that you have appointed this word for them. I pray that it was the word spoken and seasoned to the one who needs to hear it. And they will trust in him who sits on the throne. They will trust in the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, who has prevailed, the lamb who was slain, having seven eyes and seven horns, which go well into all the earth. They will trust in the love of God and Christ for them, who has sealed them, sealed their minds upon himself, and has granted them a glorious future. Let us keep our eyes upon this, Father, and I pray for anyone in this room that has no hope in the midst of tragedy, because their minds are not sealed upon Jesus Christ. Their minds are sealed upon the things of this world. They have no hope. I pray, Father, that they would turn. That they would see that there is hope. That they would see that rather than having a future, where they may be crying out to the rocks and the mountains to fall on them, to crush them, rather than face the wrath of God, they can have a future. And the new heavens and new earth in all perfection, dwelling with God in the Lamb, worshiping Him, protected, no more death, no more crying. May they flee all and put their hope 
in Christ this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.